Amen. Recently, God has been making a way, hasn't he? He's been making a way where there seemed to be no way. Ain't that right, Jason? He made a way in your life where there was no way, wasn't it? There's no way out. He made a way. Praise God. So good to see each and every one of you here today. I'm so excited about, about today. We're going to have a little... Amen. Amen. We got this one. We're going to have a wonderful time in the Lord, and then we're going to have a wonderful time in baptism. I got some extra towels over here in case somebody just wants to get soaked and then go home wet. And uh, if you just feel like that's what you want to do and you feel like you just want to get in and um, do that. But first, we're gonna, I'm going to talk to you just a few minutes about a, a message that the Lord laid on my heart. And he actually uh, messed me up because I had a message I was been studying most of the week. And then last night about 11 o'clock or so, um, all of a sudden, uh, he changed it. And I was like, Lord, it's daylight savings time. Don't you know it's an hour, hour later already? I mean, couldn't you change my message like on a week that I just was about to go to bed? And I, so I ended up not going to bed until about 2 o'clock in the morning because of daylight savings time and all that. So, but I, I have a word for you. So I don't know why, but this word has changed somehow for you. You're here. Maybe you're online or here. But God, God saw that you were here, and so many of you need this word. And so God has just really been moving in our midst. He has it's been so powerful. You know, and I told y'all before, you know, God, God is going to move in different ways. This is our culture. This is our lifestyle now. We've had a life change. You know, you know, this last weekend, seven people received baptism of the Holy Spirit. God's been healing people, delivering people, people from anxiety and OCD got healed, all kind of stuff that God's been doing. And so we're excited about what God's doing. But it always looks different. So it's not always going to be that shout and that fire. Sometimes it's going to be quiet. Sometimes it's going to be gentle. Sometimes it's going to be peaceful. Sometimes it's going to be crying. Sometimes it's just going to be repentance. Is you don't never know how God's going to move. But you know what? We're just going to let him move how he desires to move. Not how we like it and how our flesh wants it. Because our flesh wants it. Full glory. You know what I'm saying? You know, but God's like, that's not, you know, let me move how I want to move. So I want to tell you today, because I feel like that we're here. We're, we're in this flow. We're in this ebb and tide. We're in this new movement of God. And I want you to know that if you're, that, 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 that the, the, the title of my message, the easy way is hard. The easy way is hard. So many times in our life, we start getting in this situation like we are now, and we take the easy way out, and we end up right back where, right where we started at. Now, us as a church, we're not going back. This is us. This is who we are. Okay? We're going to have salvations and signs and wonders and miracles and all the great and mighty things and outreach to all these people and do all this kind of stuff. But, but as individuals, if, you're not, if you take the easy way when temptation comes and trials and tribulations, and, and, and the, the opportunity for you to please your flesh, all of a sudden, you know, you can find out that that, that, that easy way out actually ends up being a tough road. Um, in Genesis, let's go back to Genesis chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. It says, Lot, who was traveling with Abram, his name was Abram before it was Abraham, so Lot was tra traveling with Abram, um, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep, goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. But the, la the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks, um, her, um, herds living so close together. They, they were so blessed in a land. Is that not amazing that you're so blessed that you can't even contain it all on the land that you're on? You know, I love that. And so he can't contain all the land that he's on. So, they said, so Abram said, man, Lot, I love your brother, but we're going to have to split. You know, you're going to have to go one way and I'll go the other way. I'll give you the choice. You go east, I'll go west. You go west, I'll go east. I don't care. And Lot looked at the, uh, the side over there that, that had the lush, beautiful green grass, and he said, that's the side I want. Got a little greedy there, didn't he? 
right? And they separated on good terms, but the herdsmen were fighting. And that's what really caused us. You know, all the land, all the, everything was getting so close. They were so blessed. The herdsmen were so close together. The herdsmen and the sheep, sheep herders began to fight and argue. And so they had to separate ways. They were separated on good terms. And so he said, which side do you want, Lot? So Lot took one side, and, uh, and then um, Abram took the other side. And all of a sudden, it became tough. Because a lot, here's, here's the problem. Lot took the green grass, right? Everybody says the green, you know, they want the green side. They want the easy way where it's already green. But here's the thing. If you water your own grass, your grass can get green too. But we want, the, we want somebody else's grass. We want it to look like them. Theirs is already done. I want the easy path. Okay, I don't want to have to work for it myself. I don't want to have to get down and pray every day. I don't want to read scripture. I don't want to have to do these things. I want to just go ahead and, and as I said a couple weeks ago, get under the spot where the glory is running out. We just want all the good feel, the feel. God's more than just a feeling. God is so much more than just an emotion. When he ministered to you, if you get caught up in the emotion of it, that, that's where it becomes religion because you just want the, the feel good, the, the goosebumps. God wants you to be so close to him that, that you're not worried about how it feels. That if you don't feel nothing, you know he's there and you're okay. Okay? And so you got to understand the easy, beware, the easy way leads to destruction. Anything worth having will cost you. See, salvation, we say salvation is free, right? So for you to be saved, it is free. But how many know that salvation costs a lot? Salvation costs Christ his life. So that free thing that you got is, is, is kind of like a little free puppy. Oh, here's a free puppy. And then all of a sudden you got to buy the, the, the food, the, the clothes, the, the, all, the, all the junk that goes along with it, and, and, and the shots and neuters and all of a sudden you're like, well, I thought this was free. Right? Same way with salvation. Salvation is free for you. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven, but it's going to cost you your life. Now, not your physical life. It's going to cost your flesh life. It's going to cost you to put down your old man, your old woman, and put that aside and start serving God. And say, God, I crucify, I kill my old flesh. I, and, and, and then, like I said right now, everybody may have, have killed it because, because we're in this new move. But I, I promise you, your old man, your old woman, woman is going to want to rise up. I've already, I, I did a, a Facebook Live on it on our little group. In our in the loop group this past week, because several of you started telling me that you started feeling depressed, you started feeling down. All of a sudden, the enemy started coming against you. Then the other half of you, like, man, I'm fired up, man, I'm ready to take on the world. You see, that's what the devil does when he's threatened by you, and he sees a move of God in your life, and you you moving with God and moving with the the, the, the cloud, right? He all of a sudden he sees that, and he's terrified of you. He don't want you like that. So he's not going to wait a couple weeks or a month to see how fired up you are. He's immediately going to come and start bringing situations and trials and tribulations in your life, trying to get you to fall, trying to get you to stop, trying to get you to give up, trying to tell you it's not no good, trying to tell you that, that, that you're not good enough for, for what just happened to you, that you didn't deserve the Holy Spirit, that you, that you did not, that you should not have even went. That was all hype. That was nothing to it. And the enemy wants to tell you those things. But if you were in this room, well, you know, online, it, it never goes across the same online. But if you're in this room, you know it was as real as real can be. Amen.
And so the thing is, 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 is it's going to cost you. And so we got to, therefore, Scripture says to take up our cross, right? And when it, when it talks about taking up on our cross, it's talking about killing that old man, that we need to put our old man, old woman on our own cross and say, you've got to die. You will not run me. You will not rule me. You are dead to me. And when it rises up, go ahead and do Freddy Krueger and kill it again. Right? And scream, right? So Matthew 7, 13. The highway to hell is broad and its, and its gate is wide for many who choose the easy way. But the gateway to life is small and the road is narrow and only a few find it. Okay? Now, a, a, lot, of, a, lot, of, a lot of preachers use that for just hellfire and brimstone. It's a highway, you know, it's heaven or hell. It's up to you, you know. Repent or burn, you know. But I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you that, that it, it is true that, that there is a place called hell. And if you don't serve Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and you don't accept him, except you be born, born again, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. And you do end up in a place called hell. Okay? But I'm, I'm here to tell you today that, that, that what I'm talking about there in that scripture, what I want you to get out of that, is that one little place that many choose the easy way. And now all of a sudden that you are doing good, you're more on fire for Jesus. You know, let me tell you what, you learn a whole lot more in the valley than you do on the mountaintop. And when you're in the mountaintop and you're feeling good and the Holy Spirit's praying through you and you're doing all these great things, all of a sudden, you know, you feel, you kind of feel invincible. And you drop your guard. You quit praying as much because you're feeling so good. You quit reading your Bible because you're feeling so good. You quit coming to church because I got this. Man, Holy Spirit's all over. You know, then before long, you, you drop that guard, and you drop that guard, and all of a sudden the enemy starts throwing darts at you. And before long, you take it, you're all of a sudden you're on another highway. You thought you were on 74, 76, and now all of a sudden you're over here on 17. Not the 17 on the highway to hell, you know, but, but I'm just saying. It does go through Myrtle Beach and all that, don't you? No, that's, I don't know. But anyway, but the, but the Vietnamese, whenever they were in the Vietnamese War, the Vietnamese would set up road traps on the big pathways. They wouldn't set up traps in the jungle. They would set it up on the big pathways. You know why? They said Americans are lazy. They're not going to take the time to try to go through the jungle, cut through the jungle. They're going to take the easy path. And it worked. Because you got to climb higher to go deeper. Right? we we got we to understand that we need to go through the, the highways and the byways, right? And, and go gr grab people and compel them to come. They're not, they're not probably going to be on the open, easy path. People who are really hurting and need Jesus are not going to be on that big, wide-open path. Well, that's where they're headed. But they're going to be over here in, in a brush. They're, they're, they're going to be up there in the trenches and the bushes, and they're, they'll be looking for somebody help. They're over here drowning. They're over here in the thorns. Saying, somebody help get me out. And we're over here looking for them in the highway. Hey, where, where you at? Jesus loves you. You know why? Because we don't want to get in the trenches with them. Because true Christianity is messy. Because you don't want to deal with the outcasts. You don't want to deal with the misfits. You don't want to deal with people that, that have struggles and trials and, 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 and had issues in their life and has things going on in their life even right now. Christians want to push away from that. When God's like, no, they're all my children. We want to go after the, 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 the clean ones, the, the ones, the fish that are already clean. And they look good. They smell good. They act good. They walk good, right? But that's not what God wants us to do. You know, you just can't. You just can't coast uphill. You got to. It's a. It's, it's, it's a pressing to go up the hill. You got to go up that hill with pressing. Scripture. Um. So, uh, Philippians three. Um. Three twelve. You know. I'm gonna paraphrase. It says, "But for it says, I don't know. I'm not saying that I know everything, 
but I'm pressing towards the prize for the call for the prize of the high calling. Okay? I'm pressing to the mark for the prize of the high calling. And he's saying, look here, I don't know everything. I don't understand what all's going on, but this is one thing I know. That I gotta forget the past and move on to the forward. And, and press press right on. And so many people want to have one foot in the past and one foot in the future. You know, that's where scripture talks about that lukewarm Christian. That God says, I'll spew you out my mouth because we want a little bit of the past. We want a little bit of the future. We want a little bit of the bad and a little bit of the good. You know, that's why that's why it talks about that because the most dangerous Christian is a lukewarm Christian because they're on that fence and they know the Christian needs. They know how to talk it and act like they're, they're, they're all good. But they know how to live in the world at the same time. But if you're hot, then you're good. And if you're cold, you're so cold, you're ice cold, then God, the warmth of God's presence and his conviction power will touch you and melt that ice. And then that's, that's why he says hot or cold. Because he can, he can work with hot and he can work with cold. But lukewarm, he says, will spew out his mouth. And so the, the, the move of God, and we may, we may think, you know, um, I've had, even had some people say it, that, that this move of God, man, it resembles the, the past days. But I remember this when I was a kid, and I've seen this before, and I miss times like this. And I feel like that, 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 that this is something that I experienced and I've been longing for a long time. So here's the thing I want to tell you. The move that is happening right now in the Spirit is not a past thing. It's a present. It's a new thing. As Craig said a while ago, it's a new thing. God says, I'm doing a new thing. If you start drubbing up the past of past feelings, past emotions, you start thinking about, oh, yeah, this is how I felt back. In, oh, I remember these services. But then you start thinking about, oh, but you know what? At the same time, you know, there was a lot of religion in, in that church. There was a lot of situations in that church. There was a lot of bad things. And then all of a sudden you start associating the bad things with that emotion. Now you don't want that stuff anymore. we got to get out of the past and understand this is a new move, God. This is a new thing. And God's trying to do a new thing. And we're going to move forward. And this is a brand new thing. We don't understand it. This is, this is something different. It may resemble the past. You may have felt something like that before. But this is brand new. And we got to go with the new thing that God is doing. Because God did not save you just to go to heaven. Do you know that? He saved you for you to go out and grab people that are lost and minister to them and love on them. And as I said, since this is a lifestyle, you don't just feel it at church. You feel it at work. And you feel it at home. So when your child is sick or your wife has is, is, is got an issue, you pray at home. The same Holy Spirit that's here is there. When you're at work and that, that someone says, man, please remember me in prayer. Why don't we just pray right now real fast? Hey, somebody, somebody needs the gospel to church and they have going through a hard time. Start ministering to them. Hey, you know what? Man, I, man, I, I used to be the same way, but man, God changed my life. If you ever want to hear about it, let me know. Because what we used to do, we used to put everything in one place. Okay, in our heart. And Sunday was Sunday. Holy Spirit fell, but the rest of the week we slept with the world. And God's like, no, this is a new thing. This is the whole week. This is all day long, every day. You're here. It happens here. It happens when you get together. It happens in your small group. It happens at work. It happens wherever. But Genesis 13, 12 tells you exactly where Lot started to mess up. It says he pitched his tent near Sodom. Where is Sodom? Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? It was burnt down, right, because of all the evil. So he pitched his tent towards evil. He had a little something in him that was curious about the evil. And so he went over. He didn't have his, his accountability partner, Abram, anymore to say, hey, man, let's don't do that. Let's, let's, you know, let's stand strong. No, he pitched his tent near or towards Sodom. And we should, we should understand that, that, that you can't 
pitch your tent near sin. Because I used to have teenagers all the time whenever I was a youth pastor for 18 years. Um, he said, they would always ask me, Pastor, how far is too far? Right? You know, and how, how far can I go? You know, and adults want to know how much sin, how much can I drink before I, is, is bad? How much can I do this? How much can I smoke and dope? And how much can I do and still be good? How, what kind of movie can I watch? What kind of porn can I, what, what, it, what is it can I can do? And still, where, how far, how close can I get to Sodom and, and please my flesh a little bit, but still enjoy the glory of God? And so we got to understand, you know, let me ask you this question. What if I ask my wife, Regina, I said, Gina, what are you, is it okay if I walk in that room with, with a stranger woman that I don't know and you don't know, and we just kind of like go at a little bit, have a little fun back there? What, how, how far can I go and you just won't get mad at me? Like, we'd have a baptism, but we'd have a burial too because she'd hold me on until I couldn't breathe. And, right? Let me show you how far. Let me show you how far I can go. All right? And so that's the same way we got. What, what, instead of saying how close to the line can I get, why don't we say, dear God, how far away can I run from the line? To the place where I don't care about the line. we got to get to the place where we don't care about the line anymore. I don't care about the flesh. I don't care about pleasing who I am. I want more of you, God. I'm hungry for you. I'm not hungry for my flesh. Kill my flesh. Will your flesh still rise up? Absolutely. Every day. But you got to get to the place where you have that authority over the enemy. You're like, no. No. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to act that way. So i got three things for you. Three things that it costs a lot when he compromised his walk with God by pitching his tent towards evil. The first thing, the necessity of life that it, it, it cost him is it cost his convictions. When he compromised, all of a sudden his convictions left him. Proverbs 1 and 10. I'm going to read it King James Version because I think it's funny. If sinners entice, if sinners entice you, consent thou not. Like, who talks like that? Okay, as the I'm going to read it. I'm going to make it more modern for you. As the the, the current poly, um, the the poet Napoleon Dynamite would say, "Heck no." If sinners entice you, say no, right? Say no. But we need to learn to say no with authority and with conviction, because we say no, but our flesh is saying yes, and people you talk to. When you say no, but you mean yes, they recognize it. And when so you have these things, you want to go see this movie, you want to go watch this, you want to go do this, you want to go smoke this, you want to go drink this, you know, all this kind of stuff. And no, 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 no. See the little yes in my voice there and my actions? And we got, we got to do that. And we got to understand that, that we got to, to not do that and not allow that to happen. 1 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. Paul said that his conscience was, was clear, but that does not make him innocent. Here's the deal. So many times you can have your own clear conscience because you made yourself think that this is okay. And when you lose your convictions and you don't have a conviction on you no more, you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to convict you, you're, all of a sudden your conscience is seared and, and you get to the place where all of a sudden it doesn't bother you to do nothing anymore and you've got a clear conscience. That's why I often tell you, you've got to pray Psalms 139, the last two verses, 28 and 29, it says, Search me, O Lord. Know me. Try me. Know my every thought. See if there's any wicked way into me and lead me to the way everlasting because my conscience is clear, Lord, but maybe I'm doing wrong and I'm not realizing it. 
if you're not careful, you get so caught up in this right here, and you just kind of pitch your tent towards evil a little bit, and you want this, you want this move of God. I'm all, I'm all in, Pastor Doug. You know, but you got this one little foot over here. And the enemy will come, and all of a sudden you'll find out that your conscience is seared. You know, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, in, in, in the Pinocchio, Jimmy the Cricket, right? You know, it was, it was let your, your conscience be your guide, like whistle while you work. And, and Jimmy the Cricket was, was, the, was the, the conscience for Pinocchio. Okay, this is our conscience. This is our conscience. This is it. This is the Holy Spirit. You read this, you pray this, and Holy Spirit will let you know what's happening and what's going on. You know, but oh, but I, I did, but I didn't throw up. But I, but but we're in love. You know, but I didn't. I really didn't. I didn't get high. But you know what? I, but I didn't participate. I didn't get. I didn't get that sick. I didn't get all the way drunk. I, you know, I I didn't. They they gossiped. I just listened. You know, I didn't say no. I didn't even laugh. You know, I was there when it was all happening, but I didn't say anything. You know, we want we want our conscience, and we want to get we want to be a part of it, but we don't want to be involved in it. Proverbs twelve fifteen. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. See, we justify our own sin. And you're thinking, this, this, I'm so high, I'm doing so good. You know, this is so awesome. God's moving and I got this and I got that. God's doing such great things in my life. You know, I can relax a little bit now. And the moment you relax, the enemy's waiting around the corner right nearby you to pounce you. He's, he's, he's walking around like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. And if you live a life of um, compromise, you will end up doing things that you never wish you would do. Lot never thought that he would do the stuff he did. In verse 8 it says, He offered his two virgin daughters to a mob of perverts because, that, that because he set his tent towards Sodom. He compromised what he wanted and he offered to mob his two daughters to keep those two angels in his house. Who would have thought that somebody would have done that? Because his mind was warped. The first time you compromise, Compromise your convictions, it, it, it bothers you, it kills you. You're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And that's how we should always feel. Every time we mess up, man, Lord, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. I, I, man, I, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so close to you now, and I know that hurts you and it hurts me. You know. And then later on, we're like, oh, man, dude, oh, geez, I shouldn't have done that. You know. And then later on, we're like, well, I hadn't done it. All, I don't do it all the time. You, know? you see how that progress happens? It's a slow fade, as that song says. There's five, the five most important decisions that you're going to make in your life. Number one is information. The information you put in your mind. The information you look at, the information you listen to, and the information you speak. That information that you put in your spirit, that is one of the most important decisions you will make in your entire life. And you've got to be careful what you watch on TV and at the movies, what you listen to on the radio, and what you listen to through other people. And the things that you speak and the information you put in other people's lives as well. So information. Number two, the conversation. What kind of conversations are you in? That's one of the most important decisions. Are you in a conversation you shouldn't be in? Are you in a compromising com conversation? Are you in a conversation talking about somebody? Are you in a, in a com conversation putting somebody down? Are you gossiping? Are you in, are, are you in a conversation that, that is not proper? So information and conversation. The next one is participation. You also, one of the most important decisions in your life is what you participate in. You know, are you participating in things of this world that's causing you to, you to fall, for you to slip? Are you participating in things of, of God? Are you participating in the Word, participating in prayer, participating in church, participating in serving and tithing and giving? Or are you participating in the things of the world? Next, number four, is who you're associated with. 
another very super important decision is who are you associated with? Because if you stand before a judge and th this person here is standing there and they just murdered somebody, okay, and you squeaky clean, but you stand beside the judge, you're like, but I, di I didn't do anything. You know, the judge is going to already associate you with their murderer. Their, the judge is not going to associate their murderer with you. You hear what I just said there? Because we think that us being around them is going to change, change them, right? And it's a whole lot easier for me to pull Bruce off of this, off of this right here than him to pull me up. And I'm, not I'm talking about being unequally yoked now. I'm not talking about influencing. Because, yes, Jesus hung out with the sinners and the vile people. But he didn't hang out with them while they were doing vile things. He met them on common ground, and he ministered to them, and he ate lunch with them and talked to them. But he did not hang out with them while they were doing the things that, that were not, not good. And number five, salvation. The greatest decision you'll ever make in your life is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Number two, so he lost his, his conviction. Number two, Lot lost his testimony. He lost people's respect. He did things that, that people all of a sudden did not respect him anymore. The world don't care if you go to church. The world don't care if you speak in tongues. The world don't care if you come up here, shake, rattle, and roll. Whenever, because whenever you stand up and you don't walk a straight line, they, they think you're a hypocrite. You see, the thing is, is a lot of people do all these things, and then they, they see them, people see you act that way in church, and then they see you out in the town around the world somewhere acting in a different way, and they're like, you know what? Don't tell me about that. I, I, I see how you act. I don't have no respect for you because you go to church and you do that. You put on one facade, and then you, you're in this holy revival, and then all of a sudden you go out here, and now you're, you're part of the, the world. And they, got, they don't care about that, and you will lose respect for people. And it's so hard to get respect back from somebody once you lost it. It takes a long time. And the only way you can do that is to keep grinding, keep showing I'm different. And sometimes it just takes a while. And they're all going to talk about you. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to say, you know, you ain't changed. Okay, I've told you that many times before. But you know what? I have changed. You just have to wait around and see. But you, you can speak in tongues, run around, do all those things, carry your Bible, quote scripture. But if you're not living that life, you're a hypocrite to them. And they don't want to hear it. Revelation 3.16 says that if, that if you're lukewarm, that God will spit you out of his mouth. You know, and they, they took him as a joke. And, and whenever you act that way and you say this one thing about God, but then you act another way, people just take you as a joke. You're just a clown. You know, and, and the thing is, is that that's exactly what happened that with, with, with Lot, is his family took him as a joke. So, you know, we want to reach our school. But, you know, we want to reach our school to teen, teenagers and young adults and some, and some adults. We want to reach those that are in, um, uh, we want to reach our, our, our work. We want to reach our, our gym. We want to reach our bowling alley. Wherever, you, wherever you, you hang out, you want to reach them, but you don't have the backbone to start a conversation with them. You want God to let them come to you and ask you questions. We want God to use us, but we're not willing to have the backbone for God to use us. If you will, God will. But we're waiting on God just to send people to us. It's mighty quiet up in this place. But I put on social media yesterday, you can be up and down, you just can't be in and out. We all can be up and down. We can all be up and that's, 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 the, that's the roller coaster that we live on. But the in and out is not going to work with God. You don't care how many times you fall going to the cross as long as you get up and keep walking towards the cross every single time. 
But Lot's son-in-law and daughter-in-law, they laughed. He finally got the point that, hey, y'all need to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. I had angels come to me, and the angels just told me, we need to leave because God's going to burn this place down. Scripture says they laughed at him. Why? Because he lost his testimony. And when it came time that he really heard from God, they didn't want to hear it. They're like, you're a joke, dude. There's no way. They thought he was joking. 1 Timothy 4, 15, 16. Give yourself complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into the, your task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and keep on teaching. Stay true to what is right and God will save you and those who hear you. And James says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You've got to live this life to where people respect you. And you can't do some things because people will lose respect. There's some things that you can't do that may not be a sin. It just doesn't help your walk with God. And you've got to be careful about those things. It's not a sin. You're not going to go to hell if you do it. But it does not look good for your Christian walk with God. And so you've got to understand that. Number three, Lot lost everything of value to him. He had so much in, in, in um, chapter 13. And then by, in, by chapter 19 of Genesis, he lost it all. It was all burned to the ground. God burnt the whole city down. You know, and, and, and um, Abram said, hey, you know, hey, can, can I just have, a, if I find a hundred righteous people, will you keep them? He's like, yeah, yeah. What if I have, you know, what if I have 60? Sure. What if I have 50? What if I have four? What if I have 30? What, what if I can find 10 righteous people? Yeah, well, you know, I know I got a lot. And yeah, 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 yeah. They couldn't find one righteous person, and he burned it down. John 10 and 10. And if I can have Bruce can come up, see if somebody can come up and do. John 10, 10. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to kill your influence. He wants to steal your joy and your peace, and he wants to destroy your relationship with God. Especially when you when you decide you're all in and you're moving in the flow of this new movement like this, the enemy is going to come at you trying his best to test you to see how serious you are. I had a situation myself the other day. You know, I, I really worked hard and sought my heart super hard to really try to, 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 to get rid of everything in my life that has held me back over, over my whole life, especially the last seven years. And a, a lot of hurt and pain. I, I just got rid of everything and I'm trying to walk in a, a supernatural place and got, deal with every little thing that I think that, that I could think of. And then the other day, I got a, a text, and immediately this righteous anger came up in me. I said, oh, no, 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 no. Absolutely not. No. That ain't going to happen. And then all of a sudden, this sweet little voice in my spirit said, God, saying, um, I just want to see how serious you are about all this. I was like, what? I just, I just want to see how serious you are. I'm like, yes, I'm serious, God. But this situation, this person, no, absolutely not. He's like, again, okay. You said you all in. I'm just trying to see how serious you are. God will test you to see how serious you are. He will allow situations to rise up to see how you're going to act. He's going to allow situations to come up in your life that's really going to test if you're all in or not. And I'm telling you that today so when it happens, you can be assured. Now, I had to repent. Let me finish the story so you'll know. I didn't leave it like that. I didn't go at him. I was like, okay, God, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. I am all in, and that was not right. And I, I didn't realize that was a thorn. I didn't realize that bothered me anymore. This was something from a long, long time ago. And I was like, okay, God, so forgive me. 
And then I responded to that person personally. And I poured love and a prayer all over them. Because I wanted to make sure that the enemy knew that I was serious. That I didn't say, okay, well, okay, right. No, I prayed a big, long, beautiful prayer. I want to tell you the story in closing that I told uh, a while back, um, I think, but it just fits beautiful with this. There was this, there was this uh, story of a widow, and she was in a, um, she was in a rich hotel. She she didn't have a lot. She was a widow, and she worked in a rich hotel as a janitor. And there was this man that came up to her and thought she was very attractive, and said, "Hey, I'll give you a million dollars if you sleep with me here in my, in my nice, you know, um, penthouse suite." She said, no, no, that's not, I, I don't do that. I'm not, you know, I'm just here trying to make some money, trying to provide for my kids. He's like, well, you know, how about, I got, I got a million-dollar dress, that I, I mean, a thousand-dollar dress that I want to buy for you. And he went and bought her a dress and brought her back to her and said, hey, look at this beautiful dress that I bought for you. She said, oh, that's really pretty. He said, I want to take you out to the most expensive restaurant tonight at, you know, at so-and-so in town. Oh, really, really? I, I can wear the dress? And I, and I can go out to eat with you, and you'll pay for everything. You don't worry about nothing. So then, so she went to eat. She put on the dress. She went to eat with him. They had this conversation. And then at the end of the supper, he said, okay, well, a million dollars is a lot of money. A million dollars is a lot of money. How about you sleep with me for $100? And she said, who do you think I am? He said, oh, I already know who you are. I'm just trying to see how cheap I can get you. See, and that's what the enemy does to us. He offers these things to us, and we and we compromise, and we compromise, and we compromise, and we're all of a sudden we're all over his territory. And then he's then we were like, then he asks us to do one thing that really crosses that line, and you're like, no, who do you? He said, oh no no no, look at all you've already done. Look at look at what you've already committed to, and now you want to act righteous. Now you want to act holy. I've already got you. I already know who you are. I already know what you're made of. I've already tricked you. And we got to be careful. If we're not careful, he will lure us away because of our flesh. We can't allow that to happen. We cannot allow that to happen. Just like Samson, I'll just lay my head in Delilah's lap. I'll just lay my head in her lap and see what happens. And she, she found out about it. She cut his strength off. His hair was his strength, and she cut his hair off. And one of the worst statements in the Bible, there's several of them, but this is one of the worst it says, and, and Samson, he needed God's power. He was going to go do what he always did and, and destroy the Philistines. It says that he stood up and he shook his head and he did not realize that the Spirit of God had left him. Don't get to the place where you compromise and your conscience gets seared and you're still thinking you're in this new movement, but you compromise so much, all of a sudden you're over here and you need God and you pray for God to do something and you realize God's not even around. Well, he's around. But he's not with you like he used to be because you have separated yourself from him and you have compromised. You got a seared, a seared conscience and you lost your respect. And you lost your testimony and you lost all the great things around you. And now you're like, whoa, how did I get over here? Just a little bit at a time. The pastor's up, we're on fire. We're, we're on fire, man. All this great stuff happened to us. Everybody's getting back. All this wonderful things. Why are you telling us this now? Because I want you to know it now. Because I want you to know it's going to come. So when it does come, you are prepared and ready to fight against the enemy when it does come. So you don't compromise. So you don't lose the respect. So you don't look like a hypocrite. So you don't look like every, a lot of other Christians that, that are just talking and talk, but it's not walking the walk. And that you can stay in this and you can keep your guard up. And that you're always, your guard's always up. Never drop your guard. Because as soon as you, as soon as you open up one little window, see the enemy, you might have kicked the enemy out, 
but I can go to my old house at 206 Bedford Road East right now, and I can tell you where I slept, where my, my mom and dad slept, where my sister slept, where the living room was at, where we had, ki- where, we had where the kitchen was at. I can tell you every window. I still remember. And even though you kick the devil out, he still knows where all your weakness is at. And as soon as you leave a little window open, he's got a foothold. And once he gets a foothold, you ain't going to close that window. So I want you to know today that God wants to help you. He wants you to be free. He wants you to move in, the, in, this, in this movement. He wants you to be in this. He wants you to be all in. But he wants you to know that even when you don't know it, he's working. He wants you to know that. You've got a pathway to go. You have to choose that pathway. We don't want to leave you behind. We want you to come with us. Because those angels eventually had to drag them all out. They had, so they had to drag them out of the city. And then when they, dro- when they drug them out, they were supposed to go to the mountaintop. They had an option to go to the mountaintop. But what did he do? Lot went to a little city right outside of town. Why? Instead of going to the mountaintop, he still wanted to stay near to evil of everything he just lost. Enemy is a deceptive, deceiving fool. Don't listen to him. Would you buy your hand closed your eyes, please? Hallelujah. Anybody here today? Raise your hand and say, Pastor Doug, you know, I've been deceived by the enemy and I'm 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 not a Christian. I don't know Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, but I want to I want to get saved today. I want to receive Christ. Would you raise your hand up real high for me so I can see it? I want to embarrass you. I just want to see that. Anybody else? Amen, amen, amen. Well, thank God. How many would be bold enough to raise their hand and say, Pastor Doug, pray for me that I'll keep my guard up, that I will not allow the enemy to deceive me so I don't lose my testimony, so I don't lose my respect, that I will stay strong in God. I want to stay strong in this movement, and I don't want to look back. I want to be strong, and I'll be aware of the enemy's traps. I want to see the traps before I even get to them. I want I want keen spiritual eyes. I want keen spiritual emotion. I want keen spiritual feelings of, of discernment so I'll know what's about to happen so when I get there, I can make the decision I need to make. Anybody at all want to raise your hand and say, God, I want that. Father, you see the hands of your people. You see the hands of your people. They are asking for strength. They are asking for help. They are asking, God, that they want to stay on this path, this narrow path that they're on, this path in the Spirit. God, so help them today to walk in this path, to walk in this path and to stay with you. Lord, to not lose their anointing, not to lose their respect, not to lose their way, because you are the way maker. Help them to crucify their flesh, Lord. Help them to crucify their flesh, Lord. Because the enemy is hot right now. He is so mad at what's happening right here in this very building. And across town, there's other, there's other churches in town, Lord, that are, that, are, that are on fire just like we are. And God, you're going to use those small churches that are on fire. We're going to ignite this city from the bottom up. Lord, help us to stay strong. Don't let one of the coals be separated from the rest so we can stay warm together. Don't let one coal, God, get over to the side and try to burn on its own, God, because it will burn, but it will burn out. 
Help us today, Holy Spirit, to be what you call us to be. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. A little different service from last week, but it's what, it's, it's what God wanted me to do in the wee hours of the morning, <laughs> I think, because <laughs> I, I was half asleep. I was like, God, you got to help me. I'm about to fall asleep. You better fall fast. I love you guys. You're a big deal to me and a bigger deal to God. And God, God wants you to know that I, I believe in you. God is doing some great and incredible things. And you're going to even hear a few testimonies here in just a second. We're going to take about a five-minute break so people, can get, so people can get changed. And then we can move this over here to the front a little bit more. And so we want you to please, if you can, stay. This is a big deal. We have some people that are, that are getting baptized for the very first time. I've had two or three that, that were supposed to come that, that weren't called and they couldn't come. But um, we, then I have several that are just... This is such a new move of God in their life, and God's calling them to new and higher heights. They want to get rebaptized, and so I'm excited about that. I mean, hey, I get baptized every time I go to Jordan, every time I go to Israel, every time. 